Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. It is November 24th, 1995. Can you believe it's going to be 96 soon? 1996. In the blink of an eye. It did go quick. Yeah. Huh? It's as The older we get, the faster time goes. Just imagine when we're in our 30s. Right? It'll be insane. In the insane membrane. Insane in the membrane. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of, whoa, someone just dropped an anvil on the roof. <laughs> right? Speaking of things that are insane, the shutdown, the government shutdown's over. Woo, woo. Yeah. They've got four weeks of a working budget now. A whole four weeks? Yeah. So the chaos re- restarts. Yes. Awesome. They, they made a compromise, and this compromise is going to last for four weeks. Uh, so they have four weeks of a budget. Uh, and then, so 80,000 government workers are ready to return to work. Uh there has been money allocated to operate the government until December 15th. So we'll see what happens uh, after December 15th. Uh, a plan to balance the budget by 2002 uh, will be honed by the Clinton administration and Congress uh, by December 15th. The plan won't cut Medicare or Medicaid education or other certain programs. So we will see. We'll see what happens as far as that goes. Like I said, we don't talk about politics much, but I thought that the government shutdown was, you know, important enough to kind of mention. For sure. I'm so, so, so relieved. Yeah. Well, because, you know, your family makes so much money from the government. What? You weirdo. Why are you so relieved? Because I care about, you know, my fellow humans and, you know, their well, ability to, you know, eat and stuff. What an altruistic person you are. Yeah, damn right. Most people don't give a fuck. So, uh, the first of three albums is a magical history tour. (laughs) What? What a a great joke by Brian McCollum. Okay. It's the the Beatles anthology. Number one. uh, Free as a Bird. uh, First song in 25 years to feature John Lennon. And Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo. It's the first song on uh, on this this album. It's a, a previously unreleased song, "Free as a Bird." Uh, th- this uh, Beatles anthology thing, you know, coinciding, of course, with the uh, the twenty twentieth anniversary, I think, or twenty fifth anniversary, or whatever. I don't know some anniversary. No, the thirtieth <laughs> anniversary. That's okay. Of the Beatles in America, it's there. They've got the the anthology show that's coming out and everything. But this is a huge, huge, huge deal, and this album is really selling quickly. Apparently, it's it's supposed to be very good. Uh, a lot of Beatles classics on there. It's it's a greatest hits album, but it's also interspersed with interviews. Uh, from different Beatles members, uh, producers, Brian Epstein, people like that, just kind of talking about the history of the the band and 
you know, where they came from. That sounds kind of cool. I wouldn't mind, like, learning a little bit more. Yeah, it's sort of like, it, it reminds me of Moby Dick. Okay. Like, Moby Dick is a, for those of you that haven't read Moby Dick, Moby Dick is a chapter of the story, and then the next chapter is uh, the history of whaling. And then there's a chapter of story, and then there's a chapter of how to make candles or, or whatever what? out of whale lard. What in the actual hell? Yeah, that's that's how Moby Dick is. Moby Dick's a chapter of story, and then a chapter of here's how to build a dinghy. I mean, I love to read, <laughs> but um, I would never ever try to read Moby Dick, not just because of the sheer size, but now it sounds like it's really freaking boring, too. Yeah. So that's kind of what this reminds me of, but not in a boring way, because it's a song... So, like, one one track's a song, like, Free as a Bird, right? Mm-hmm. And then track two is, you know, a, like, five-minute interview or four-minute interview with, okay. with John Lennon. That about, sounds About cool. something. And then the next track is a song. And then the track after that is Brian Epstein talking about, well, when the when when I first met, uh, you know, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, you know, the, like, this is what they were doing and, you know, kind of thing like that. So, it does seem really interesting to me. I've... I've uh, just went on sale. What went on sale uh, a few days ago, and I, you know I've just barely cracked into it. I bought the the double CD. Mm-hmm. So, what's your favorite Beatles song? Ooh, that's a very wow. That's a very difficult question because there's so many classics. Um, I, I, you know, I tend, and probably a lot of Beatles fans will call me a pretender. Or um, <laughs> or an idiot or whatever, just not a cultured Beatles fan. But I I tend to gravitate a little bit more towards the middle or the the beginning years, okay, and the middle years than I do the later years. Like uh, by the time we get to like Octopus Garden and um, you know Sergeant Pepper's and stuff like that, I don't dislike those songs or anything at all. Um, they're just not my favorite. Right. Like, come together, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big one, you know, like, come together. And everyone loves that song. And it's, you know, it's, but I I would probably say In My Life, I think, is is my favorite. And that's quite early on. That's a good one. Other songs. What do you think? I think Yesterday. That's a good song, too. Because it gets me, you know, in the emotions. And that's what I, what I like. In the emotions. In the emotions. It stabs you deep in the emotions. <laughs> Do I ever get into your emotions? Not as often as you get into my pants. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of getting into your pants, whose pants did the producers of Partners get into to continue their show? If you haven't heard, Partners is a Friends clone Uh TV show. I had not heard, and uh, how dare they? Well, it's they a couple writers from Friends, Jeff Greenstein and Jeff Strauss. Uh, they're producing the show, uh, and it's very Friends-like because I guess it has their comic mentality or whatever, right? Mm. Um, so they've uh, they've been greenlit, and they're going 9 p.m. on Mondays on Fox. Okay. So they've got... Uh, I think they're let's see if if they're on Mondays Yeah, I think I think oh they're up against I guess they're up against Beverly Hills nine oh two one oh I think. Oh wow. Or or no Melrose place. 
No, wait. Those shows are on Fox. Okay. What are they up against? I don't Mondays. know. Mondays. What's on Mondays on, on like NBC and stuff? I don't know. I don't pay attention to that I shit. I don't think they're going to do well. <laughs> That's my, my point is I don't think they're going to do well. So very few things do well on Fox. Well, that's true. Except for Friends and Melrose Place and um, the, Sim- the Simpsons and 90210. Or no, I said Friends. I meant 90210. What? Ah! <laughs> you know, I was thinking Friends was on NBC, but... That's, a, that's my brain melting down right now. Okay, I'm going to start over. The shows that do well on Fox are 90210, Melrose Place... The Simpsons and Married with Children. Okay. And I heard that this new one, Party of Five, is pretty good. Huh, maybe we should check it out. But anyway, so other than that, things don't seem to do. I mean, they had they had uh, Herman's Head and they lost that. <laughs> they got that show canceled. Right. The most brilliant show ever. So this week, uh, we talked about Friends. Did we? We talked about it already? <laughs> This week we watched Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um we watched an episode of the NBC sitcom Friends. It's the Partners Clone Friends. The one with the list. Mhm. So, in this episode, um we start out with the girls. What? It just you sound like you sound like the voiceover from Soap. What? In last episode. <laughs> Mary told Bert she doesn't believe in aliens. (laughs) Bert says, Danny's got a a new bride. Alrighty. No, you never watched Soap, so he'd go through the whole, like, thing, and then you'd go, confused? You won't be after this episode of Soap. So... Okay, so last episode of Friends, uh, Ross kissed Rachel. Which, oh, yeah. Which is, you know, not... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously? What? I'm, I'm going to kick you. I wish you would. Okay. That's what this has been building up to. <laughs> I want you to abuse me. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> he has a girlfriend, Julie, the paleontologist. Julie Newmar. Yeah. So... <laughs> Him kissing Rachel, you know, not necessarily the best thing. No, he's a fucking dog. <laughs> kind of cheating. Everybody wants, everyone. everyone's so happy because they want this, this will they, won't they to happen. They want this relationship to happen, this Ross and Rachel thing to happen. But it's like, he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, and selfish. Yeah. Like, like he, che- he cheated on Julie. Julie's never been anything but nice to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad for Julie in this episode. But um, Rachel is talking to Phoebe and Monica about the kiss, mm-hmm. and it's give us the details. Kind of fucked up. Like it didn't really occur to me right away until I thought more about it. Mm-hmm. But Monica's way too interested to hear about her brothers kissing Rachel. Yeah, it's a sister. And 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 when Rachel's describing the kiss, she literally like closes her eyes and goes, "Oh." Yeah, she's like, like, like she's, what the fuck? She's getting turned on thinking about her brother kissing Rachel. It's so gross. Like, <laughs> lady, go get laid. My brother and my best friend. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah, not good. They, they, they need to work on, like, boundaries and stuff. Speaking of working on boundaries. Uh, 
<laughs> I should absolutely not tell this story, but I'm going to. Uh-oh. There's uh, a person in, in my family, I'm not going to name them, who made a sex tape with uh, one of their like, significant others. Okay. Oh, jeez. And apparently they m- mistook the, what tape they had because they... There was a big party, and like, hey, why don't you watch this tape of us, uh, you know, on a hot air balloon? Oh, no. And they put the wrong tape in, or they taped over the hot air balloon thing. I don't know exactly how it happened. But they popped the tape in the VCR, and it's uh, them having sex. And this person's mom uh, was (gasps) there. Uh, I think the other person's mom was there, too. Aunts, uncles, cousins. That's terrible. Many family members saw this. God, I hope that they were able to turn it off quickly. That's terrible. Yeah, I wasn't there. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there is such a thing as turning it off quickly enough in that situation, but ugh. (laughs) So Ross tells the guys, and literally this is their conversation. I kissed her. Tongue? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) What in the f? Well, that's what that's what happens. So like, the show opens, oh. and they're, you know, she's describing this in great detail. Where were his hands? You know, like what would they do? <laughs> they started out of my waist. They moved up to my my hair. You know, and everything. And like all which this, is what makes Monica then go, oh. right? All, all this stuff, like all this incredible detail about how she was feeling, what the smells were like, and everything. <laughs> uh, and like you said, Ross is like kissed Rachel. And Joey goes, tongue? And he goes, yeah, cool. And then he goes, <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, like it's, you know, one of those heartbreak, like, people are laughing, put your credits on now. So then we're in the coffee shop, mm-hmm. and he's talking about he doesn't know what to do about, you know, Julie and Rachel, and then Rachel comes in. Right. And, and then Julie comes in. Yeah. And he's all like, staring at Rachel and she's all hey you and then Julie comes and he's like Julie like like he fucking forgot she existed for a second Julie looks at Rachel and says oh uh, 365th day in a row that you're not wearing a bra thanks Rachel <laughs> right <laughs> like she never wears a bra and it's always cold in that studio and then like to get like I don't know the tension to be broken or whatever not that I think there was any tension that Julie was aware of anyway Ross is like hey play something Phoebe mm-hmm and she makes up a song. Does she ma- is she making up this song on the spot? Yes. That's like what she does. She's like, so I'm going to make up a song about uh, three uh, three people a, and a two of them. Uh, it's called Two of Them Kissed Last Night. Yeah. Like, what in the fuck? And she's like, he must decide. He must decide. <laughs> and Ross looks like he's going to puke. Mm. Pretty um, good song. Yeah. I mean, for, she, for right on the spot. Right. She did all right. I'll give it to her. Except she um, she named Julie's character Luli. That that could use some work. Plausible. But Rachel was Betty, so sure. Um, <laughs> so then uh, Ross is talking to the guys up in the apartment about what to do. And Chandler's all excited because he got a new printer. No, a new computer. With a printer. I guess, but the printer doesn't... The- the printer's not the important part. The important part's the computer. Okay. Because he can, like, I don't know, stream something like, I can send data at, like, 81 BPS or something like that, which I believe stands for bytes per second. Okay, sure. So, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know a whole ton about computers, so I don't know exactly all the stuff he was talking about. Me either. But I think it has to do with the internet, um, but it's supposed to be fast, I guess. But he was very excited about some word processing thing where mm-hmm. he was able to, uh, he's like, we're going to make a list with uh, Rachel and mm-hmm. Julie's pros and cons, and I can do different columns with different fonts and colors. <laughs> yeah, well, he is one of those vague, like, I vaguely work in technology jobs. Yeah. Like, we don't want to say exactly what he does. He works, he sits in front of a computer. Right. That's what he does. Like, that's as far as they're interested in explaining it. So, Ross is only able to come up, like, he comes up with some, yeah, cons for for Rachel. And he comes up with... Fat uh, ankles. No, he does not. Joey comes up with that. But Chandler still puts it down like a dick. She's just a waitress. Yeah, that that's not good. And he says uh, she's um, too into her looks, a she's little vain, spoiled, she's snobbish, um, ditzy. Like yeah. it was not not good. But then when you get to Julie, the only con he came up with was she's not Rachel. Right. Which, like you said, then you have your answer right yeah. there. He doesn't even need to make a list. Yeah. Might as well said, why don't you delete all this and the evidence, and then the show can go on. Wouldn't that have been nice? <laughs> That'd be a whole other show. But instead, uh, he decides to go break up with Julie like a good boy. Mm-hmm. And, I guess, post facto, but sure. Well, I mean, better than stringing them both along or whatever. Yeah. And then he just, he's back at the apartment. Rachel comes in. He tells her they're going to go for a walk. It's all happy, happy. And she happy, sees... Happy, joy, joy her name on Chandler's computer, Mm -hmm. who, by the way, Chandler was trying to print why he was trying to print this fucking list in the first goddamn place. I don't know. But he said he'd hit print like a hundred times and it wasn't working. And he's Mm -hmm. on the phone with tech support. So she comes in, she sees it. He closes the computer and she's like, you need to tell me what you wrote about me. I saw my name on there. Yeah. I said, uh, that it should have been like a list of gifts. Which would have worked. Yeah. That would have been brilliant. She said, uh, yeah, I'm good at thinking of lies on the spot. Aren't you glad you're with me? <laughs> but I said, I said like, yeah, it could have been like, you know, I have a, I have everyone's name down there and gift ideas for them. Chandler came up with a thing the day after, the next day, too. His diary. Oh, yeah. He's like, she never would have made me tell, you know, read her my diary. But um, it ends up printing. Mm-hmm. So... She gets a hold of the list. He said, "Well, he says it's a short story." <laughs> yeah, first they made him make up a short story. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you read it to her? But she doesn't believe that. Which yeah. I really don't know why. Well, she's not as ditzy as they think, apparently. Right. So she's she, not just a waitress; she's also a detective. <laughs> but yeah, she reads it, and she's you know understandably pissed and hurt, mm-hmm. and basically uh, tells Ross to go fuck himself. So. Yeah. yeah, she says, you're not going to fuck me. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and he tries to apologize. He tries mm-hmm. to explain. I think she's being a little unreasonable. I do, too. Because, you know, he's like, she, she, apparently Chandler misspelled Rachel to yeah. Rachem. What's that? Just some paleontologist thing that I wouldn't understand because I'm just a waitress? Like, That's also ditzy, though. Then. Yeah. Because it's like, you don't. You don't understand that that's your name, just misspelled? <laughs> like, if somebody said, uh, not March, I'd be like, what is that supposed to mean? I'm not uh, festive like St. Fa- Patrick's Day, right. which is in March. Like, you'd have to be an idiot to not be like, oh, that's probably supposed to say Mark, isn't it? 
Uh, so he even tries to uh, get the radio to play a song get for the her. Radio. He gets Monica to put it on. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what is it? Uh, with or without you? I can't live. No, it's uh, see the stones that in your eyes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's with or without you. <laughs> So, you know, it starts to play, and she gets this look on her face. Like, they're totally fucking with the audience, because it looks <laughs> like... She looks like she's contemplating things. And she's going to call Should him. I? Should I pick up the phone? But she calls the radio station, and they cut in and say, Rachel told us what you did, Ross, and we don't want to play your song anymore. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Seriously? What did she tell him? And then and then she's like, uh, we're going to give the time to a couple who stands a chance, Uh She's sorry she hit you with her car, and she hopes you'll forgive her. And then they play some shitty cover of In My Room, which is a great song by the Beatles, or by the uh, Beach Boys. Yeah. So, and that's how it ends. That's that's how that's how it ends. So apparently, all this time, will they, won't they, Ross or Rachel, and they're going to break up before the event gets started. He's looking out the window at the rain, because it's raining out. Because of course it's rain. God knows that uh, Ross and Rachel are having a rough time. So <laughs> he called for rain. They're oh, lo- they're looking outside, and and it goes. <laughs> he um also cr- crawled up the f- climbed up the fire escape and tried to read her her con- her prose list. Oh before yeah, that's that, right. which he had some pretty good prose on there. If she would have listened. Mm-hmm. Like how great you are with Ben and all this stuff, like important things. Yeah, matter. But, but she doesn't care. Nope, he made one mistake and she is done with him. Yeah, so there we go. <laughs> she is also not the best character in the world either. Right. Oh well. We'll see. See what happens. Maybe they'll get back together. What do you think? Mm, I think they're going to stretch it out longer. This is this is the problem when you when you. When you introduce a will-they-won't-they-like love story element at the beginning of your show, the problem is you can only go one of two, well, one of three ways, I guess. Either they never get together, and then it's always just like a flirtation, maybe it ebbs and flows, and it's it's all this build-up with no payoff, which the audience is not going to like. Mm-hmm. Or they get together quickly, and then... You know, then that, like, it's kind of diffused. You have to, you know, like, your show's got to have a more narrative drive than just that. Got to come up with other tension. Or it's like you get them close together like this and be like, okay, now we got to figure out some way for them to get, you know, torn apart so they're not really together. And then you just keep doing that. I yeah. assume that they're going to keep stringing us along like this for a while. That's my guess. I hope not. That sounds unpleasant. Sounds like Rachel, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But we are going to welcome some special guests in here to talk about a film that we saw. We saw one of the coolest things that I've ever seen with my eyeballs. Yeah, it's a Toy Story (laughs) day for us. And we we took my niece and nephew, so they're going to help us tell you about it. All right, well, let's welcome in uh, niece and nephew. Isabella and Stefan. So we saw a uh, film this week, and we have a couple of special guests in studio here. Hi. Very special guests. Hi. We've got uh, Isabella and Stefan, uh, Carol's niece and nephew, respectively. Welcome to the show, guys. 
So what did you think of Toy Story? Very good movie. The best. Yeah. It was so cool. Like I have never seen anything like it in my entire life. For sure. It's, uh, I mean, it's, I was, you know, obviously we're not kids. Um, that's why we have a kid, kid's perspective. We're not. That's why we have kids' perspectives here. But, I mean, I was like in awe mm-hmm. of the, this technological advancement. I think, I, I think every, uh, cartoon ever made is going to be like this now. If this is what they're doing with computers, I, I can't, this is going to change animation. That would be amazing, like, if you were just watching, like, Saturday morning cartoons and they looked like this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, it looked like 3D. It's like claymation almost, mm-hmm. but smoother. Yeah, it, it looks incredibly real. It's, I, I can't say enough about it. It's it, it's one of those experiences that you have at a movie theater that's transformative. Yes. Like, this is like watching, I don't know, Star Wars for the first time or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, or, or Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's a good that that's a good example. Yeah, I have lots and lots of questions. Oh, what are okay. your questions? We got questions. First of all, where did he get the fireworks? Where did <laughs> Sid get the fireworks? That that is an interesting question. <laughs> he had some uh, neglecting yeah. parents, I think. Yeah. Well, there's a scene where his dad is. I think it's supposed to be his dad is like watching TV, and there's. A bunch of, I think it's soda cans or root beer or something like that. But I, mean, I think they're supposed to be beer cans. Well, they're definitely supposed to be alcohol, but they're not labeled as such. Right. Oh. So that's that's your explanation right there. His parents are drunks, or at least his dad. We never <laughs> even do we see his mom? Yeah, we do. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't his think sister so. calls no. out for her though. The sister goes, "Mom." Yeah. So there is a mom somewhere. Somewhere. But let's set it. Yeah, there are no dads in this story in this movie at all. It's just weird. But let's let's set it up. So um, you barely see the parents. Yeah, that's true. We see. I think we see the mom's feet. That's about all we see. <laughs> yeah, we never see her oh, face, yeah. do we? At the end of the movie, we see them at the sitting around the Christmas tree at their new house. Oh yeah. But uh, anyway, so let's set it up for for the people a little bit. So this movie is a story about toys. Uh, that's Toy where, Story. Hey. Apparently, toys come to life when people aren't around, and they they um, go inanimate uh, when people are around. I mm-hmm. guess so that people they somehow they know that people shouldn't know that they're alive. Right. I don't know who tells them that, how they know that, or or anything. And we get a toy that thinks he's not a toy. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear. He's like a delusional toy who thinks he's a real person. Yeah, so why does he why does he pretend that he's not alive around the adults, around uh-huh. the kids and stuff? Good it's question. Maybe it's some kind of magic and and like but it's not. No, they make a choice. Yeah. As we see later in the right. movie, they make a choice to not do it. But they so they have this whole life that we don't know about behind the scenes and at the beginning of the movie is Andy, who's the, the kid, Andy's birthday party. And apparently the the toys are all worried that they're gonna they're gonna get stuff that um, they're gonna get stuff that replaces them, but 
They don't need to worry because Andy has the worst friends in the world. Right. <laughs> oh, what did what did this friend get you? A new set of sheets. <laughs> what the hell? Right, I'm surprised they weren't bringing like toothpaste and underwear. What? What was the first gift? I don't even remember. Like, was it like pants? Uh, a globe. Oh, I know he got a board game at one point. He got Battleship. He got sheets, and there was something else lame yeah. at the there beginning. It was clothing. I remember it was some kind of clothing. Okay, a new jacket. Yeah, it was no. It was it was not cool toys. No. But the only, only the cool f- toy that he got was the Buzz Lightyear. Which yep. Who gave it to him? His, his mom. I'm sure his mom gave it to him. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like secret in the closet. Yeah, she's yeah. like, oh wait, there's one more. Yeah, there's one more. The only good gift you're gonna get. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I am better than all of your friends. I just got you a Buzz Lightyear. Look at all of these horrible gifts that they gave you. What time period do you think this movie takes place in? Is this supposed to be modern times? I don't know. I don't think so because it looks like older, like the the decorations in the house, the wallpaper. like. And it's like it's the... It's almost like the transition between the 50s and the 60s, right? Like, he's really into this cowboy western stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the hot new toy is a space toy, yeah. which is very 60s-esque. That makes sense. But then at the end of the movie, they're listening to a Kuna Matata from, oh. from The Lion King. Ooh, good point. So it's like, it's there are things that make it seem like it's older, but then also seem more modern. I don't know, it's weird. Well, and li- like Pizza Planet or whatever, like that seems more modern. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like it seems kind of like Chuck E. Cheese or so Major Chuck e. Magic's or yeah. you know one of those places, right? Or uh, what? What's that? Uh, um, the showbiz, showbiz yeah. pizza. <laughs> yeah, showbiz pizza. But yeah, they didn't have that stuff back in the sixties or fifties. No, 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 no. Pizza Planet. They didn't even have arcades then, did they? No. No, not in the not in the fifties or the sixties. So I think that right there testifies that this should be modern day. Yeah, that was like a arcades is like a like mid seventies, early eighties kind of thing. It's just maybe really old housing. That's why yeah, they're I moving. Guess so. <laughs> but yeah, no dad, no explanation where this dad is. I suspect he's dead. Yeah, me too. I think he's dead. Sad. <laughs> I think it's not sad. <gasps> oh my goodness! What? Your door? Do you do I need to warn your parents? What a monster! Right? Um. Uh, is your name Sid? Right? <laughs> your name is no, Sid. No, I think I, I just I just he he. Okay. Um. Well said. Uh, so. So anyway, um, it's a pretty simplistic story. Yeah. It's a story about acceptance, I guess, and learning your place in the world, like growing up a little bit. You know, they're, they're obviously, those are themes at play. Yeah. Lost in the fact that this is a, like I said, a technological marvel, is that it's a re- pretty tightly written story, too. What do you mean? It's a pretty, it's a pretty well well written story. You know, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of waste in this story. Yeah, for sure. I have something to say. Yeah, say it. How was that claw still hanging on? 
Oh yeah, yeah. So they go to Pizza Planet. So the, what happens is, is that that Buzz Lightyear gets knocked out the window because Woody is jealous. Yeah, he not he accidentally on purpose knocks him down. He just doesn't mean to knock him out of the window, right. but he does. And then uh, they go to Pizza Planet, and he sees Buzz, and like Buzz, like how exactly is that? Like Buzz hitches a ride with him. Um. Well, at Pizza Planet, like no, well, before when they're when they're in the car. They end up fighting, and they get knocked out of the car. Yeah, and then they hop into a delivery truck for mm-hmm. Pizza Planet, because yeah. they know that's where Andy and his mom are so going. Pizza so Plan- somebody needs to fire that uh, that driver. He is speeding in everywhere. And-, <laughs> and, like, I have another question. Yeah. Well, I want to answer your question, but go ahead. Like, why do they always think that, like, Woody did this, Woody did this? Yeah, why why are his friends immediately suspicious that he tried to murder this other toy? Yeah. I can see why because 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 he's been he he's been a pretty bad person to Buzz. But at the same time, he's been like their friend and leader. Yeah. For who knows how long. They should trust him a little. You would think a little bit more. I mean, they know he's jealous for sure, but you know. Don Rickles wants to throw him out the window right away. Yeah. That's Mr. Potato Head. It's an all-star cast of voice actors. Uh, Tom Hanks is Woody, the, the sheriff, and then Tim Allen is uh, Buzz Lightyear. That's Tim Allen? hmm I didn't even realize that. And then, like I said, Potato Don... Potato Head is the word. Potato Head's Don Rickles, famous comedian. And then there's John Ratzenberger from Cheers is the pork chop, the... It's like the hammy. pig. Yeah, hammy, whatever, the pig. The the piggy bank. <laughs> and then um the great Wallace Shawn is the is the dinosaur from the Princess Bride. Yes. Inconceivable. <laughs> and then um who else? Uh, Annie Potts is Bo Lobo Peep. Peep. And then there's one more, I think. Oh, uh Jim Varney, uh Ernest Ernest P. Worrell is Slinky Dog. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's a it's a great voice cast. But to answer Isabella's question about the claw thing, so they go to Pizza Planet. They end up going into one of those claw machines with the aliens because Buzz. Yeah, Buzz jumps in there. Yeah, and Sid sees them in this claw machine, and he ends up winning them. But as he's as he's trying to grab onto Buzz Lightyear, Woody's trying to pull him down. And the claw, like, goes down into the... Like, there's no way that claw is still holding on to those toys. Yeah, that's one yeah. of the more unrealistic things that occur in a movie with talking toys. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but then, so, Sid brings him back to his, to his house, and he, um, you know, he starts doing his experiments. Now, here's... I, I have a problem with how the movie treats Sid, though. Okay, let's hear it. So, Sid is this guy, this kid, who has no idea that toys are alive. Right. So he does one thing that's kind of shitty. He takes he takes uh, his sister's toy mm-hmm. and takes the head off the doll and puts a uh, pterodactyl head on there and everything. But who hasn't done shit like that? But the thing is, yeah. And, and the thing is, like, the bad thing about it is, not that he's abusing a toy, because he has no idea. Um, it's more that he's taking his sister's things right. and, like, you know, defacing them, which he shouldn't be doing. 
But other than that, most of the stuff seems like stuff he found, and he's just being like really creative and <laughs> and with these different toys and everything. But from the toys' perspective, yeah, he's a monster, but he doesn't know they're alive. And then they reveal themselves to him in the most terrifying, like, psychologically breaking way. Right. This yeah. kid is going to be in, a, in an asylum for the rest of his life. And it just, it seems, un- like, I don't like the treatment of this kid. Yeah, I mean, it, they act like he's a kid that's, like, torturing animals and showing no remorse. But right. he's, it's inanimate objects. Yeah, he's not a sociopath. He doesn't know they're alive. Right. Yeah, and, and then, like, Woody literally twists his head around like it's the freaking, yeah. like, uh, Exorcist movie and says, play nice. Right. Like, what in the hell? <laughs> I don't know how that child will ever, like, play with a toy again. And then, on the way to the house, he's like, nice, Dolly. So, like, right. you know, he's going to be nice to toys now if he ever touches them again. Yeah, he's not going to touch anything again. He's going to be <laughs> hanging from uh, his closet. Oh, my God. I, I don't... Dark. I don't even know how they, how they, how this is a kid's movie. If they just put that in, like... Well, they didn't. Uh, they didn't, put they, that they in didn't and they wouldn't. It's okay. It's all fluffy and happy. Bella, what did you... What was your favorite part of the movie? Um, when they were going into, like, the car with the fireworks, that was, like, very, very, like, that's very, like, action. Yeah, the exciting climax. What about you, Stefan? My favorite part of this movie was the, the one that we were talking about with us, with Sid. Very good. Can I, can I go? Yeah, go ahead. Nice <laughs> My favorite part... Of, and this is throughout. This is partially throughout the movie. It's just Buzz's lines. He has the greatest lines. But it's when he has the uh, tea party huh. in Mrs. Sid's Nesbitt. room. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like the tea has made him drunk or something. But it, he's just like delirious. And he's mm-hmm. like, "I'm Mrs. Nesbitt." <laughs> I like when Woody asks him to give him a hand and he throws his severed yeah. arm up. <laughs> he's just so depressed, but he's hilarious. You're a sad, strange little man. Mm-hmm. I, I love Buzz. Yeah, he's very funny. <laughs> to infinity and beyond and all that stuff. Yeah, that's not, not his greatest line. <laughs> Definitely. See the hat? I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> <laughs> Would you play with a space uh, a space toy like that? Yes. <laughs> Do you wish your Barbies were real? And alive with their own secret lives? Or would that scare you? When you're asleep, they move all around. Can you, can you imagine that? <laughs> oh my God. If I saw one foot move of a Barbie doll by itself, I would literally scream. <laughs> well, I would say, kill it, it's not of God. <laughs> we burn down her room. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, overall, I would say very, very good movie. Uh-uh. What was your favorite part? You don't get to skip. Oh, I have to have a favorite part. You too. have to have a favorite part, and you do too. I, I just said mine. I, I guess my party. I guess my favorite part was when they deployed the army. To go uh, spy on his birthday party. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And the one army guy gets stepped on. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I remember that as a a kid. uh, 
having uh, army guys that got broken and stuff like that. Yeah. They're so small. How are you going to see them? Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Uh, Arlie Army, by the way, the, the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket's also the, <laughs> the soldier in the Sarge. We've got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, like I said, there there's a lot going right for this movie. I can't think of a thing that went wrong with this movie. Obviously. So it's a new company called uh, um, Pixar. Mm-hmm. It's their first their first feature film here. I wonder if all the rest of the movies they make will look like this. I don't know. I, I think this is what they do because supposedly this came out of uh, George Lucas's Industrial Lights and Magic. Okay. Uh, it started there, and then I guess George Lucas sold it to Apple. And they were heavily invested in computer stuff and everything, and uh, it kind of developed more as part of Apple, and then it, I guess, uh, I think Steve Jobs sold it or whatever. It became its own thing, basically. It's own, and now it's in, in an independently owned studio. But it's like, you know, it's it's Disney distributes this movie, so I can't say that, I can't say, like, it's going to destroy Disney's model or whatever, like it's going to take over Disney. Um because they have some sort of partnership with with Disney. Disney okay. Disney has a giant distribution machine uh, to get movies out to movie theaters and stuff like that. And so they're they're partnered with Disney. They made the movie. They own the movie Pixar, but they partner with Disney to distribute this movie. Because Disney has its fingers in everything. <laughs> well, apparently now, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, fantastic movie, and, and I really enjoyed it. I had so much fun seeing it with you, kiddos, too. All right, well, that is, uh, that's our movie talk. Uh, we're going to let our little uh, guests go here, but we want to thank you for, uh, for joining the show. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Well, that is the episode for the week. We'd like to thank uh, niece and nephew, Bella and Stefan, for joining us. We'd like to thank you for... Every review that you've ever written and stuffed into our locker <laughs> and every letter that you've ever sent to us uh, and all the the patronage that you've shown us, all of our listeners, we'd like to thank you. Uh, why don't you tell one friend about it to show us your appreciation. And, uh, you know, write us, latefee1994 at AOL.com. Mm-hmm. Go to our website, retrolatefee.com. Yeah. We will see you next week. Bye.